Welcome to Talks at Advent, homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, God is one. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, today we gather as we do every Sunday to hear and participate in God's Word. And today I want to focus on our epistle reading taking, taken from the 10th chapter of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. In these verses, the Apostle Paul provides us with invaluable insights into the nature of temptation, our struggles, and God's unwavering love and support. Paul begins by reminding the Corinthians of a story that would have been intimately familiar to them, and I hope also to us, about their father, forefathers' journey through the wilderness on their way from Egypt to the Promised Land. Along that Exodus journey, which we have discussed sometimes even over just the last few, few weeks, we know that the Israelites grumbled against Moses and God. We even heard it in morning prayer this morning. We know that they were unsatisfied with the spiritual food, the manna that God had provided them, that sustained them in the wilderness. They struggled, they were tempted, they wanted meat, they wanted to go back to their old lives. They thought it would be better if they went back to Egypt and continued to be slaves so that they could, fill, so that they could eat their fill by the flesh pots, as it says, rather than be fed perfectly sufficiently by God and ultimately to be led to a land of freedom and plenteousness. They simply didn't trust in God. And they fell into temptation. And in those grumbles, when they ate quail instead of the manna, many were judged and many died. Ultimately, even Moses himself was not allowed to enter into the promised land. When he and others once again decided not to trust God, but decided that there was no way that God could actually help them overcome the people who were already occupying the promised land when they arrived. They took the comfortable route, but it came with a serious cost. My brothers and sisters, how often is, that, is it that we take the comfortable route? How often do we grumble to God about even our blessings? We've been offered the gift of eternal life and life abundantly. And as you know, I like to point out that it's not just a promise of something in the future. It begins in the here and now. And yet we fail over and over again. And how can this be when St. Paul tells us that God will not suffer us to be tempted above what we're able? I mean, I certainly feel tempted beyond what I'm able to bear sometimes. Sin is deep-seated. It's an insidious cancer that we all bear, and sometimes we fall. Should we beat ourselves up when we sin because we aren't good enough to resist the temptation put before us? Should we have figured out the way, as St. Paul puts it, the way to escape? Are we a failure because we couldn't see it? We certainly should not beat ourselves up when this happens. Now, of course, Paul, before this, enumerates countless examples of people, people just like you and me, falling again and again. We've already discussed the Israelites and above, and he's also mentioning 23,000 who committed fornication. Here what Paul is talking about is what's known as the rebellion of Baal of Peor, in which there was sexual immorality between the daughters of Moab and the Israelites. It was even idolatry. It was like a, um, also against God, not just a sexual sin. And the Israelites were ultimately um, 
a plague by a plague. That was the best I could come up with there. Which it, it says killed 24,000 of them in, the, in Numbers 25.9. And that's what Paul's talking about here. And then there are other examples about the serpents that came. Paul is telling us that these are to be examples for us and that they're written down for us. Why? Well, because Paul is saying, wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. That is the introduction to this discussion of temptation. The Israelites were blessed as we're blessed. They had so much and yet they weren't satisfied. However, these were also the men and women of the history of God's people. They thought they were better. They thought they too were too good to sin. But that was not the case for them, and it's not the case for us. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, I said we shouldn't beat ourselves up, but, but that's not to say we can't avoid falling into the temptations we experience. We are capable. We have a choice. God has provided that choice to us. But for so many of us, our will is weak. And even our Lord knows that, saying the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he says that just about staying awake and praying with him. How much more about the other temptations that we face? And St. Paul knows it too. Begging God to take away his thorn of the flesh to which God replies, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So yes, it is our job to fight temptation every chance we get. Sometimes, you know, I tell you that it's best actually not to fight it head on, but use a distraction. For the devil is wily, and when we fight it, sometimes he gets us. Sometimes we just need to do something else, distract ourselves for a while. But the good news is that even when we fall, St. Paul is saying here, what he's saying about his own battle, that God's grace is sufficient. Jesus's love is greater. Repent and you will be forgiven, period, full stop. So yes, our Lord has given us a mean to escape, a way to, uh, to bear it. What's that? He sent his beloved son to become a human being, to live among us, to walk among us, to be shamefully murdered because he loves us. And in that way of escape, he conquered sin and its consequences, death. I'm not sure who said it first, but it's perfect for this moment. God did not die to make bad men good. He died so that dead man might live. We can bear our temptation no matter the outcome if we wrap ourselves in Christ because Christ has already borne that sin for us. Now, although today's gospel passage is a bit unusual also, what we see is that the unjust steward is shrewd and is in fact commended by his boss. And the parallel I'll draw here is that despite wasting the master's good and then even wasting more of them as he realizes he's about to be put out, the unjust steward uses his master's resources to prepare for his future when all seems lost. And that is in fact what God is calling us to do. It seems clear that the master is much like our God and that he, he's rich. He has enormous abundance. So these write-offs that the steward are making is but a drop in the bucket to the master. But they're everything to the steward. And God is calling us to make shrewd use of all that he's given us to prepare for everlasting habitations 
not here on this planet, but in the life to come. And much like the parable of the talents, we can't bury the gift we're given into the ground. We have to invest it. We have to embrace it, including the fact that it too often feels a bit risky, a bit dangerous. The world doesn't like everything Christ has to say, and likely you feel that too. It seems easier to carry on our lives the way we always have, even if we're hurting ourselves and we know it. But if we take the grace that God has given us and we invest it, it will bear dividends. And as our Lord says, more will be given unto those that have. So again and again, we see the abundance that God is offering to us. So as our offertory proper today from Psalm 19, 8 through 11 says, The statutes of the Lord are right and rejoice the heart. His judgments are sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant taught. Our God teaches us gently. His judgments are for our admonition and teaching, not for our destruction and death. And as the psalmist says, they're sweeter than honey. Is that how you think of God's judgment? But not. In fact, I bet you're a bit harsher than that, even on yourself most of the time. And in the midst of life's challenges and temptations, I realize that it's easy to lose sight of God's promises. We must remember that God's faithfulness is unwavering. He provides us with the strength to resist temptation through his grace. And just as the steward made use of his master's resources to prepare for the future, we too are called to make use of God's gifts and blessings to strengthen our spiritual journey. In times of trial, let us turn to the Holy Scriptures, meditating on verses like those of our introit from Psalm 54, verses 4 through 5. Behold, God is my helper. The Lord is with them that uphold my soul. He shall reward evil unto mine enemies. Destroy thou in thy truth, O Lord and defender. Save me, O God, from thy name's sake, and avenge me in thy strength. Let us pray to God for his help when we're tempted and when we aren't, that we can overcome it when it comes. And when we fall into that temptation and sin, let us repent and pray for God's forgiveness. Let us also approach the Eucharist with reverence, receiving the true manna from heaven, not grumbling, but with hearts open to receive the grace and strength that Christ offers. Just as Christ commended the steward's prudence, he commends our efforts to remain faithful despite the challenges we face. So dear brothers and sisters, as we reflect on these teachings, let us remember that God's love and grace are always present, always sufficient, even in the midst of our struggles. God is with us now and when we leave this building. He loves us more than any of us can imagine or understand. He has equipped us to withstand temptation, to navigate life's complexities, and even our failures. In our failures, he's ready to lift us up. So as we walk through the wilderness of this world, let us fix our gaze upon the promised land of Jesus Christ, the author and finisher of our faith, who will guide us through every trial until we attain the crown of eternal life. May God's grace strengthen us and his spirit empower us to stand firm in the face of temptation. Amen. Talks at Advent. Homilies and reflections given at the Church of the Advent, a Western Rite Orthodox mission in Atlanta, Georgia.